We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, yeah. Actually, Moose Miller in tonight for Esme Murphy. Got a lot of show to try to cram in here. At uh, 7.35, Dennis uh, Felkin is going to join us from NOAA, the public affairs department as we talk about uh, hurricane harvey and the aftermath all this rain and and what you know this hurricane season is already doing with regard to uh, the newly updated long-term forecast i spent a number of years living in florida and i can tell you uh you know you live down there you're paying attention to that stuff especially after the i was in florida in 2004 2005 for hurricane katrina and all of that good stuff and then the next year after that, and oh boy, so my heart goes out to those people in South Texas that not only are they dealing with the wind damage, but now it's the rain, and it's going to be incredible amounts of rain. That's what's going to really drive this story in the uh, coming days. Mark my words. It, it, there's a lot of physical devastation right now, but this rain is really going to be an even bigger, longer-term problem. We'll talk about that, though, coming up. At 7.35. Right now, we want to pull in from the Washington Post, Heather Long, who writes a lot about different topics in uh, economics and, and things like that, which I've always found fascinating when you look at, like, Freakonomics and economics and that kind of stuff and and how we all uh, interact in this world. But she wrote a really interesting piece here that caught our eye that we wanted to get a little bit more on. The Feel Good Hallmark Channel. They're doing remarkably well when it comes to ratings during all of this craziness of the Trump administration, it's one of the most watched TV networks on basic cable. Heather, good evening and welcome. Hi, Bruce. You know, I when I saw this story and, and I read it, and by the way, I love your stuff in the Post. And, and the Washington Post, I should point out, this weekend, their website, normally everybody puts a paywall up because of all the stuff that's going on with uh Hurricane uh, Harvey, your website is accessible for any number of stories that you want to go through, and I would highly encourage people to check it out. Unless, of course, you know, it's it, it maybe in your world it's fake news, but uh, I find it uh, a main course of uh, great journalism, great writing, great reporting, and a lot of great breaking stories that Americans need to know about today. But anyway, th- that aside, um, how did you kind of bring this into your world of economics because normally you're writing about, you know, much more, uh, uh, I guess, loftier, minutiae kind of economics type of stories. Explain <laughs> yeah, what, what, a bit how this caught jobs you. And, and the yeah, you know, jobs, and numbers, and yeah, and tax rates, and pay, and you know, uh, the minimum wage, and all of that kind of stuff with charts and graphs and things. And here, this story comes up, and it just says, you know what? People are sick of all the crap they're seeing on TV. They want an escape. <laughs> 
Well, the back uh, story to this story is um, I actually, my parents, uh, they live in Pennsylvania and I was home at the holidays last year and I noticed <laughs> that um, that they were watching the Hallmark Channel nonstop. And I think like a lot of families, you you look at your relatives and you think, you know, we, this we, is my we, let me stop you right there. We were back at my parent or my in-laws farm in Iowa. Uh, about a year ago or so and i noticed during the holidays and even just during the year they were watching the hallmark channel exactly. all the time and i was like what's going on with you people yep. that were sick of the yep. news yeah. we're just sick and of it so right so i could see my folks were, uh, who are normally avid news watchers that they yeah are turning to this channel including my father i mean it's, it's traditionally <laughs> been seen hallmark as a woman's channel and yet yeah. My mom wouldn't be in the room and my dad would be watching it. So this sort of the light bulb went off, like, what's going on here? And then as a data person, I kept hounding Nielsen for the data, the TV ratings agency Nielsen. And sure enough, I realized really quickly when I got those spreadsheets with the numbers, oh, my gosh, this channel, it's like the untold story is actually during November and December when they run almost nonstop 24-7 holiday movies, mostly Christmas movies. It is actually one of the top three channels on basic cable. So it's almost up there with Fox and ESPN. So um, some weeks it actually rivals. It's definitely number one among women, and it's, it's often number uh, two or three in prime time and among households. So, you know, it wasn't just my family. I realized this was happening across the country. Well, and, uh, as you write, it, 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 it was neck and neck in ratings numbers with Fox News and ESPN yep. for the title of most watched TV network on basic cable. That's right. That's right. Um, so and then the other amazing fact that really stood out to me is Hallmark had been doing well in that, in that Christmas period for the past several years. However, it had an amazing 2016. So most of us know that a lot of people were watching the news last year. So a lot of the news yeah. channels, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, had amazing years for them. However, there's one non-news channel that saw double-digit growth last year among the top sort of 15 to 20 channels, and that was the Hallmark Channel. So Hallmark was the <laughs> only great. one to see double-digit growth. Um, that wasn't a news channel last year. I mean, it's just now, phenomenal. When you... I don't know if you asked this question, and I can't remember when I was watching it back when I was at, at the farm around the holidays. It's so funny you say that because now it's all coming back to me. But did you ask uh, the folks at the Hallmark Channel if they were accepting political ads during those periods? Because I don't think they were. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Um, I, I didn't get confirmation on that, but my, I don't believe that they do do political ads. They really position themselves. Their tagline is the happy place uh, mm -hmm. on TV. They often, when they go out and they talk to different people who are going to advertise on their show, they position the show as they call it words like trust, family friendly, um, feel mm -hmm. good. I mean, these are the words that they use. They really, it's interesting. I was talking to the CEO, Bill Abbott, who runs Crown Media, and he told me something very interesting. He said, we like to be consistent. He's like, when you turn to us, we want you to know what you're getting because we feel like so many of these chan other channels that on TV, it's, it's, it can be, you know, they're going for a different, different look or they're going to be the gory or the sexy or whatever, you know, to raise people's eyebrows and they're like Hallmark. So they just wanted to feel like your favorite hmm. comfy chair. Well, you know, it, it, the reason I bring that up is 
last year during the election uh, period when the media buys were going out for TV ads, I mean, the prices were getting bid up so high on a lot of these other news networks and channels. They were running out of inventory or space, so they were creating additional news shows and stuff like that just to get the dollars on the books. It's kind of like the Super Bowl, you know, with with trying to get those ads on the air. And here's a network like Hallmark that's going, you know what, we don't want that money. Right, exactly. And they're they're clearly thriving without it, which is uh, what's been amazing to see. Well, yeah, because um, uh, <laughs> I, I spent too many years in radio, and I, I have yet to meet many program directors that are like, yeah, we're going to turn down that money. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. really? <laughs> You're going to turn? Because they'll, they'll pretty much run anything that, uh, you know, will, will start to ring the cash register. But that's an amazing story. I mean, really, I think it speaks a lot to to where a good part of this country is. And when you were looking at the demographics, explain that. This isn't just older folks like our parents and grandparents. Exactly. I actually had a line in the story. I think my editor took it out, but it was like, this is not the grandma channel anymore. Um, that it, particularly last year in 2016, this continued in this year. There was a, a real big, really big growth overall for the network, but particularly between that critical 18 to 54, 18 to 49 is what a lot of TV networks really zone in on because that's what the prime demographic for advertisers. And that's where um, Hallmark has seen some, some again, this double-digit growth sure. last year. Well, I wanted to also get uh, some of your thoughts on some of the other stuff that you write about because it is really uh, – I think, interesting brain food. Um, One of the stories you wrote about was half the jobs in America pay less than $18 an hour. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Yeah, honestly, uh, I I cover this area, and it's something that I kind of did a double take when I was thinking about it again this summer. Uh, There's a huge debate in America, of course, what is a good job? Uh, yeah, the president, President Trump, clearly wants to create more good jobs. Uh, even President Obama would talk about how he, the unfinished business, he used those exact words, the unfinished business of the economic recovery was the mm-hmm. fact that wages haven't gone up much. And so, um, yeah, so half the jobs in the country are paying 18 or less. And um, it's interesting. So who knows, in some areas, $18 goes further than others. So when we talk about $18 an hour, that's just shy of about 40000 a year. So we're not talking about um, you know, a substantial sum of yeah, money. Yeah, that's the thing that I, I don't think people understand. When you, when you quantify 18 bucks an hour for a 40-hour work week, that's forty-some thousand dollars a year. That's that's yeah. you know a decent uh, you know starting uh, salary, I think, for a millennial out of college. But exactly. you're going to have a hell of a time raising a family on forty grand. Exactly. And the other big issue that I've come up, I didn't put in quite in in this article, but in other reporting, one of the other untold stories in the United States, it's just most people aren't getting 40 hours anymore. So a lot of jobs, um, one of the women I profiled the story, she only gets 30 hours a week. And so it's this fluctuation of hours. Like they might be, somebody could be okay if they could just get those 40 hours, but they're not guaranteed that. If, if, um, you know, if the restaurant they work at or the auto shop they work at, if it's slow that week, they're told to go home. And so then suddenly. Well, yeah. And there's, I think a, a, a strong argument to be made depending on the company or the business and its size, whether or not some of that is due to the provisions of the affordable care act or Obamacare or whatever. 
but you know, we're we're the only uh, you know Western economy in the world that uh, competes against the rest of the world that that they the governments are paying the health care and, and and the businesses don't have to worry about that and here we do as you know I'm a self-employed business owner so you know I believe me I know first and foremost uh, about the cost of health care when it comes to a, a business and a company and <laughs> when you see 18 bucks an hour people are, oh it's just crazy well would you work for that most people right. that that have a, a good living I don't think have a clue how this fits into the greater equation. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I was uh, in Michigan earlier this summer talking to a bunch of factory workers who are about to lose their job at a general yeah. electric plant. And they were getting, most of them were getting paid 25 to 30 an hour. And I, I kept asking them, well, what, what wage would you accept? You know, you're not going to earn that and probably not your next job. And it was 20. They didn't want to go below 20. And so, and, and it's interesting that twenty dollars threshold yeah. for a lot of people is, is really well, what qualifies. And and you know, we just put a, a big Amazon facility here in uh, the southwestern part of the metro here in the Twin Cities, and you know, they and Amazon is a huge force to be reckoned with. But they, like a lot of these other giant companies, are holding states really, you know, at at hostage because. You know, we can bring in all these jobs, but you've got to cough up hundreds of millions of dollars in tax incentives with quote marks around that, that when you start to do the numbers, we're now talking about a $15, 18 maybe $20 an hour job. Yeah, it's a huge debate around the country, uh, and we just saw this as well in, in Wisconsin where they are yeah. going to be giving incentives. Yeah, around a hundred thousand, over a hundred thousand dollars in state incentives per job, and so um, you know that that's a, it's it's a debate. It's a huge debate that obviously states are playing this money off of each other. Um, I remember writing ten years ago about how mo- uh, different states were trying to lure movies, trying to lure Hollywood to come there, and so basically in the end, um, different states were basically paying Hollywood to come and make a film to come there. shoot a movie there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I have yeah. a lot of a lot of friends in that in that industry that uh, yeah. those days are gone. <laughs> the, yeah. the milk and honey incentive days. You know, Canada's kind of jumped on that bandwagon big exactly. time. Mexico. Um, exactly. interesting. Hey, Eastern Europe real quick. Very popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're visiting with Heather Long. She's an economics correspondent for the Washington Post, our guest here on WCCO Radio. She wrote an interesting story here called The Feel Good Hallmark Channel is Booming in the Age of Trump. And before I let you go, I, wh- what are you hearing on the debt ceiling uh, timeline here, because uh, Speaker Ryan is saying, look, we, we, there are levers that we can pull that, that, that this is not going to happen. But President Trump sure seems to be laying down the line that, you know what, unless you'd pay for my border wall, which I thought Mexico was paying for, uh, he's going to not sign the uh, debt ceiling over again. Honestly, Moose, I think this is the um, biggest fear in September is that we hit this we default as a, as a country that yeah. we get to a point where we can't pay our bills on October 2nd or 3rd or whatever the date becomes. And, 
and uh, so both the White House and the, the Speaker and Mitch McConnell, the Senate Republican leader, keep saying there's zero chance that's going to happen. However, uh, you know, this is a guy. Uh, if you read Trump's Art of the Deal and you and you, yeah. you look at his comments, I know debt. Debt's are your friend. Um, flip around a, a bill, a legal tender note in this country, and read what it says on there, okay? Because once we break that sovereign promise. Exactly. There is no going back. It's a whole new ball game. It's going to be a lot more expensive for this country to borrow, borrow yeah. more money. And, and you know, the, the billionaires, the, the Trumps of this world, they don't care. Uh, you know, but, but you and I, when we go to buy a car or a house or get a mortgage or try to get a credit card at the reasonable rate, you'll, you'll care then. Exactly, exactly. And I would just, a final thought on that, I would just say, and whenever, be skeptical of what's coming out of Washington on that, because the reality is Speaker Ryan doesn't have the votes right now. I mean, if you think the health care vote was close, uh, this, they, they do not have enough Republicans who have ever voted to raise the debt limit to be able to do this without a lot of Democrats. And what incentive do Democrats right now have oh, to join? Boy. So yeah, and and just let them hang. Yeah, that's what, that's what I think is... The crux to this whole thing, Democrats could come in and save the day, but what's the incentive for them to do it? Sadly, that's where we are in America. Yeah. yeah. How cynical is that? Wow. I know. I know. And, uh, we're going to talk about a feel good now. now all right. Screw it. I'm, you know what? Channel. I'm walking away from the show. I'm going to watch the Hallmark <laughs> Channel right now. I'm so depressed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Heather, thanks so much for joining us. You have a good one. Bye, Moose. All right, Heather Long joining us here on WCCO Radio from the uh, Washington Post. It is 724 on this Saturday night, the Esme Murphy Show here on WCCO. Moose Miller more than happy to sit in right there with Jonathan Lowe working hard behind the scenes to make us look good. Moose Miller in tonight for Esme Murphy here on WCCO. That uh, Mayweather-McGregor fight is going to happen later tonight. They're calling it the, uh, the money fight. And I was reading comments here from uh, Floyd Mayweather, who says that uh, there's a 100% chance this fight won't go the distance. <laughs> this coming from a guy who's built a 49-0 and career as a defensive fighter. He's not an aggressive, go-after-you kind of fighter. He's, he's, he's a smart boxer. So, uh, wow. But... If I have to put my money down, I don't know about you, J-Lo. I'm definitely going with Mayweather on this. But McGregor, that guy is just plumb crazy. Yeah, he's 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 a bit... Uh, I mean, people thought that Muhammad Ali was a bit crazy. and People probably thought that Jack Johnson was a bit crazy. And people, well, well, Muhammad well, Ali ended up I, fighting I was, a, a I wrestler. Was, I was going to say people thought that Mike Tyson was a bit crazy. No, Mike Tyson was a bit crazy. <laughs> Mike Tyson yes. was a bit crazy. Ask Evander Holyfield. Oh my he'll, goodness! He'll show you two reasons. They, wow! They were uh, they had uh, ESPN had done a special a while back, uh, one of their thirty for thirty movies on this whole the whole Evander Holyfield Mike Tyson uh, dance that they did in the late eighties and early nineties, and then when they mm-hmm. finally met up, and of course the the bite fight. Um, yeah, it's just ridiculous. But uh, getting back to your original premise. It's it's very interesting because this is something that Conor McGregor has no skill in. 
He he's not a boxer. This is his first time even doing amateur, as far as I know. He might have done amateur boxing back in the day, but I don't think so. I think all he's done is yeah. mixed martial arts. He's he's all about you know using the legs, tackling a person, getting them down into submission, and Round choking and them out. Yeah, and so this is something he's completely out of his element. Floyd Mayweather is completely comfortable in this element. So you you figure McGregor is just. He's just done. He's just he's not gonna gonna last. And the way that MMA fights go, you're th- that that also lends to okay. This isn't uh, a f- what three rounds at five minutes or five rounds at five minutes. Even even if it's the longer fights, uh, it's could be ten to twelve rounds at three minutes. So you're talking thirty to thirty six minutes of action. Uh, so can he hold up stamina wise? But there are things that I'm lent to that are that are sort of that sort of have me thinking. Okay, McGregor is is fighting in gloves. He may not be used to gloves, but he's used to bare fists hitting his face. He's used, he's or, used or almost nearly bare fists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, they may be taped, but there there's no gloves there. Or there, I think they said maybe they're four ounce gloves. But interesting because. He's not going to need to protect his legs. He's not going to need to protect, I don't think, his torso as much. Because- yeah, so, you know, but the question becomes, does McGregor attack so much that he wears himself down against a guy that is an expert at not taking a punch? Yeah, I, I, I think that's where a lot of people are leaning towards. He's going to come out aggressive. He's going to come out flying. What if he comes out defensive? What if he comes out... And tries to to bait and switch and grapple with him and and you know put him in holds and whatnot not not, not wrestling holds yeah but, but see tries, that still goes back to, lock to him boxing up inside. though but that that brings back boxing strategy which advantage Mayweather because McGregor don't doesn't have the experience to sit back and be able to you know draw a guy in in a boxing match I don't think um, we'll and that's see, the thing you know, maybe I would agree with you. But maybe this this is the bait and switch that he's trying to sell us. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And again, I can May, tell you, May, you you said it correctly. Mayweather's coming out and saying he's going to be aggressive, and this that might, this is probably going to be. I I tend to think that's more of a bait and switch, where he's saying all these things about coming out aggressive, but you know he's yeah. been defensive. His the majority, the vast majority of of his career. So if he comes out and starts to trade punches. I don't know about that. I don't, I, don't, I I think he's too. I, I, you know, I'm, savvy I would to be more that. scared of the McGregor fan base. I was out in Vegas in 2013 in August when uh, McGregor had a fight out there, and I can't remember who it was against. But when that fight got out, we just happened to be passing through the casino, and that crowd. You know, they were singing all these Irish songs and chanting the, with the Irish flags, and uh, they were climbing over the slot machines and the craps tables. It was, it was like a melee scrum. I was like, I needed to get out of there. I thought for sure we were all going to be pummeled. So, wow, we'll, we'll see if McGregor, you know, taps into some of that type of uh, approach. I don't know. But, you know, does he uh, just short circuit and, and try to tackle him at, at some point or kick him? Because he just, <laughs> like on the uh, Saturday Night Live Thursday night show where McGregor showed up, it's like, well, I can kick him 10 times, right? No, it's a boxing match. 
<laughs> so we'll see. We'll check some WCCO weather coming up here. And then Dennis uh, Felkin's going to join us from NOAA as we talk about Hurricane Harvey and Texas and the next couple of days of incredible amounts of rain still to come. It's all coming up here on WCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Saturday night in CCO land, Moose Miller in for Esme Murphy. We go now to NOAA, where Dennis Felkin joins us as we're following Hurricane Harvey. Dennis, good evening and welcome. Hi, Moose. How you doing? I'm doing great. I noticed uh, the phone number we dialed you up at is a 305. That's the Miami area, isn't it? Yeah, 305-954. That's all southeast Florida. All right. So I, I spent a, a number of years in Florida in 2004 and five, and, and had my fill of hurricanes. That was Oh, uh, boy, did you? My goodness. And names like yeah. Katrina come to mind and Wilma. Oh, yeah. Well, Katrina, you know, when I was in Florida at that time, it it, it was the night of the uh, Video Music Awards in Miami, and, and it came blazing through there at almost a Category 1, crossed the state, and then got back out into the Gulf of Mexico and really ramped up, and we saw what it did to New Orleans. But uh, this uh, Hurricane Harvey thing, I boy the the Category 4 strength is, is awesome in and of itself, but I don't think people realize the devastation that's yet to come with the amounts of rain we're looking at here. Moose, you nailed it 100%. Uh, Most people in the United States, when they think of hurricanes, the first thing they think of is wind. And and, and I get that, Saffir-Simpson hurricane wind scale. But it's the water that creates the most deaths in the United States. Nearly 90% of the fatalities in these storms are due to the water, and yet we're more afraid of the wind, more attentive to the wind than we are to the water, and we've got to find a way to flip that because there is a horrific disaster that's going to be unfolding in Texas during the next couple of days. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think we're going to see, I hope I'm wrong, but some Katrina-like scenarios playing out where people, you know, if you imagine your house here in Minnesota and you walk out the door, and there's you know a foot of water right there up against your door. Oh, absolutely! More. And what we've got going right now, Moose, is that we're in some places, uh, roughly from about Freeport to Houston to College Station, Texas, Texas A and M University. That's where that campus yeah. is. We're looking at one to two feet of rain. We're not measuring it in inches. We're measuring it in feet during the next 18 to 24 hours. I mean, that's unbelievable rainfall. And uh, I I had an email just within the last five minutes from a writer from Reuters News Agency, and he was wanting to know why we are using the term catastrophic. Is it a meteorological term? Nope, not a meteorological term. It's exactly what it's defined as in Webster's Dictionary, something that will produce extreme damage and human suffering. And that's what we're looking for down in parts of Texas. Well, I'm I'm worried about Houston. I mean, Houston's kind of like the New Orleans of Texas, really. When you when you look at it, oh, they really are. And we've seen what's happened just within this calendar year of what happens when they get five or six inches of rain in a short period of time. Well, we are looking at quadrupling that amount of water in about 24 to 36 hours. Uh, it's it is indeed a disaster which is going to be unfolding. 
Now, is uh, who is the head of uh, FEMA? Because I remember Craig Fugate ran things in Florida and did a phenomenal job. And then he got upped into, I think it was, was it the Bush or the Obama White House administration to run Right, FEMA? yeah. Craig Fugate came on board in the Obama administration and did an outstanding job during his eight years there. Of course, uh, uh, Craig went out with the Obama administration. We now have a gentleman named Brock Long. And I'll tell you what, Moose, they couldn't have picked a better gentleman than this guy. He knows his stuff. Well, that's good to hear. Be- better than a, a horse uh, expert, equestrian uh, expertise. <laughs> oh, yeah, didn't going play back well. to that one, yeah. No, this, yeah. Uh, br- uh, Mr. Long has a long-time history of emergency, manage- ex- emergency management experience uh, on par with what uh, Mr. Fugate had. And uh, he has the respect of FEMA. He has the respect of the folks that are out in the field. I think he will do an amazing job. What do you uh, What do you think, or what are you hearing, are going to be the needs of people in that part of the country? Uh, I, I, water, and then you know the, the restoration of power, and then food. I mean. How, how does that all get brought in there with two feet of water on the ground? Well, that's the problem. The first thing you want to do is you want to protect yourself. There isn't a whole lot you can do about the property of that. The water's going to come up as the water comes up. There's not much you can do with that. You've got to protect yourself. So emergency managers, when they order an evacuation, you don't second-guess them. These folks know what they're doing. They plan for this. They have exercises for this. When they tell you to get out, they mean it, to get out. And sometimes you may not have a whole lot of time to react, so you have to get out. Uh, when you, depending upon how the geography is shaped and the roads are everything uh, are uh, blocked out, uh, you may not be able to get back to your homes for days or even more than a week. Hmm. You know, and then there's other problems that crop up with the amount of water that we're dealing with here, and I remember with one of the storms we had when I was living in Florida, a friend of ours that was bitten by, I think it was a cottonmouth because snakes and stuff like that. They're trying to deal with all this water as well. And they're trying to find places to hang out that are dry. Sure. And, it's, it's all part of nature's cycle. Uh, I didn't, I remember reading this several years ago when I worked in Minnesota uh, for, for many, many years, I remember reading this and of course, fire ants are a big problem down there. And you think, well, okay, the rain will just drown the fire ants. No, what they literally do is circle the wagons, they clench up, and the entire fire ant mound actually floats with the water. True story. So you Yeah, and you don't want to run into that mound because once they get on you. Oh, man, I've had my share of fire ants in my lifetime. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I mowed a lawn down there a couple times until I stepped through enough nests to go, you know what, I'm going to hire a lawn service. Yeah, that gets your immediate attention. (laughs) (laughs) It sure does. So uh, as you look at, uh, you know, where we are in this hurricane season, and and I'm pretty sure we're eventually going to see people that are going to start pointing out the copious amounts of rain with this system, and then there's going to be the uh, discussions and arguments about, you know, climate change and global warming and all of that. Um, this system is, is, is on, on its scale. Is this atypical for a hurricane because it's just moving so slow and, and not getting out of Dodge, so to speak, it's just going to stay in one place and dump so much rain. Well, uh, most hurricanes don't move by themselves. They're steered around by the weather patterns that surround them at the time. 
the most common uh, atmospheric feature that we have during the Atlantic season is the subtropical ridge. You might have heard the term Bermuda High. Big area high pressure that's centered uh, in the Atlantic near Bermuda stretches all the way across Florida and into the Gulf. So that's that's what helped steer Harvey through the Caribbean and got it into the Gulf of Mexico. So all things being equal, it, sh- it you would think it goes into Texas and keeps on flying up into the Midwest and then gradually fading out. What we have now is a weather pattern that's set up that, yes, we got the Bermuda high. Yes, it pushed Harvey into the Gulf of Mexico and toward Texas, but there's a big high-pressure system that's sitting over the southwest U.S. So Harvey is caught in between those two systems. There's nowhere for Harvey to go. So it's just going to sit there and drift for the next five days. We still have it in our official Hurricane Center forecast, still have it sitting over Texas in five days, just sitting there and raining and raining. That's why we're forecasting rain in feet rather than inches. Well, I think the obvious question people would have is, well, why doesn't it just run out of rain? Well, you would think, okay, there's got to be some sort of limit on this, right? Well, where it's sitting is over East Texas. What's east of Texas? The Gulf of Mexico. Remember the circulation around this low-pressure system. It's, uh, it's coming out of the south and southeast, so it's tapping all that deep tropical moisture from the Gulf of Mexico and just pushing it into the system. It's just drawing itself in. So it's got a virtual unlimited source of moisture. Yeah, and it just keep it's a pinwheeling in that counterclockwise direction. So it just keeps spinning around and gets back out over the Gulf, recharges right. with yeah, moisture, the, the good gets news over the. Is we don't expect the center of Harvey to move back out of the Gulf of Mexico. That would be a mess because then it would have the ability to strengthen, and then the winds would come back up. We don't see mm-hmm. that scenario happening. We expect it to stay inland. So. Uh, that's the good news as far as the wind is concerned. But the bad news is, of course, what we've been talking about, it's still sitting there. It's still tapping all that abundant atmospheric moisture uh, coming over the Gulf of Mexico. So it's just going to keep raining and raining. Eventually, it'll get kicked out. But most of the computer models don't seem to want to kick this thing out until like Wednesday or Thursday. Um, Real quick here. (laughs) Where are we in this hurricane season? Because I know that, you know, it always gets revised. Um, you know, and, and it upped the number of... Uh, right, and, and we did that back uh, in early August. Uh, the numbers were upped a little bit for the, just the sheer number of named storms. Uh, the range is 14 to 19. We're sitting at 8. Uh, range for uh, major hurricanes, Category 3 or higher, is uh, 3 to 5. Well, we've only had one. Jeez. So, uh, and they're forecasting about uh, 9 to 12 hurricanes. Well, we've only had two. And we're not even at the halfway point of the hurricane season. We go to the end of November, so we got a lot of hurricane season to go, and the peak month is September. So we still got a long (laughs) way to go, and we're watching right now in the Atlantic. Yeah, 2004 and 5, uh, one of those years, they ran out of the names. They had to, we did. To, in, in 2005, we ran out of the names, and we had to go into the Greek alphabet, and we ended up having 28 storms that year, which is unprecedented. I don't think we're going to hit that, but I think we're going to go the above average. We, we normally have 12 named storms, and we're already sitting at 8, and we're not even at the halfway point. 
All right, and you mentioned there's two other systems back out in the Atlantic. Are those just coming off of uh, Africa? We've got one which is coming off the coast of Africa. That's got a low chance of doing anything for the next uh, four or five days. There's another one which came off the coast of Africa almost two weeks ago, made it all the way across the Atlantic and got to here, the state of Florida, uh, earlier in the week as a tropical wave, but now it's going back off to the Georgia and South Carolina coastline and it's got a chance of spinning up before it finally merges with the cold front that actually came through the cities about four or five days ago. You know, I've been sitting here, and I've been kind of rude because uh, Jonathan Lowe, who works uh, everything behind the scenes here for us, uh, he's he's our meteorologist. He's he's actually studied this in college. And anything jumping out at you, J. Lo, that uh, as you look at uh, Harvey or, or the rest of this hurricane season that we haven't uh, – brought up here with Mr. Falcon? Well, just uh, with Harvey in general, this was a storm that people were predicting that would get up to a Category 4, but it just it moved so slowly and it moved so distinctly toward the coast, and, and it really ratcheted up quickly as far as the strength of this storm. Could you just talk about how unusual that is for a storm to move this slowly, even though it developed in the Gulf, it stayed in the Gulf, uh, and then to basically just stall out over one specific area where it can continue to peel pinwheel in all of that moisture. The, that, that's an excellent question there, Jonathan. Uh, the uh, Harvey was actually just a, was a tropical storm over the Caribbean Sea, and it ran into some strong upper-level winds and actually just got reduced down to a tropical wave. And once that happened, we stopped issuing advisories on it. But we knew it was going to make a comeback, and it did once it got, got across Yucatan. It got into the Gulf of Mexico, ideal conditions for strengthening with very warm water and very low wind shear. And wind shear would, of course, rip the storm apart. So we knew this was going to come back. And it also had a better than 75% chance of what we call a rapid intensification, where you can have a, a, a very strong drop in air pressure and a very marked increase in wind speed just in about 24 hours. And that's exactly what happened with Harvey. On Thursday yeah. morning, it was becoming very clear that this was going to jump up very fast, so we were issuing special advisories on it. We were in uh, immediate contact with emergency managers in Texas and saying, look, this is not only going to be a hurricane, this is going to become a major hurricane, and this is going to be coming toward you. As it got close to the Texas coastline, it was still feeding off that warm water from the Gulf of Mexico, so it went from a Cat 2 to a Cat 3, and just before landfall, it went to a Category 4, just up to the threshold at 130 yep. miles per hour. So we Reminded me of Hurricane Charlie in Punta Gorda. It slowed down, and man, you don't want a slowing down hurricane, a strengthening hurricane coming to the coast. You don't want that. Sure. And it well, did. and we're rapidly running out of time here, but uh, I was saying this it reminded me of how fast uh, Hurricane Charlie in 2004 spun up and hit Punta Gorda. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and, Rapid intensification know. is our Achilles heel. We don't understand the dynamics that goes into that. We're getting better, sure. but my gosh, Moose, we got a long way to go on that one. Dennis, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for uh, joining us, and thanks for doing the good work that you folks do at NOAA. All right. Always glad to talk to CCO. I miss the Twin Cities. I'm three years away, three, four years away from retirement. Coming back, man. (laughs) 
coming right, back. my friend. Take care. Uh, our right. WCCO uh, Ma- McCarthy Auto World time is 7.53. Certified Cadillacs on sale up to 40% off original MSRP. Check out McCarthyAuto.com today. Well, we'll talk some tech coming up here after 8 o'clock. Julio Ojeda Zapata, the consumer technology columnist for the St. Paul Pioneer Press, is going to join us. There's uh, some new Apple rumors out there. I guess Apple is coming out with some highfalutin, high-def TV concept that supposedly has got some folks buzzing on that. Plus the uh, iWatch, some changes coming there, improvement-wise maybe, that uh, might... uh, push you over the cliff to buy one of those watches my wife has one i i have yet to uh get pulled into that world i i like my iphone and my mac computer but uh just don't really have a huge desire to go run up and buy an iWatch yet but also for those of you in the uh android world the galaxy 8 that's uh upon us and i guess that battery doesn't explode like the uh, galaxy 7 did or was that the note 7 Either way, man, you've got to take your chances anymore when you're getting on an airplane flight, right? All right, we'll check in with CBS News and the latest on Hurricane Harvey coming up here. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 